Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Anyway, hey, it's good to see you all. Happy Fourth of July, right? It's good. How many How many of y'all went to bed last night with the hopes and dreams of having a good night's sleep, only to have fireworks bursting over your house? Anybody like that? You know, Laura and I were out a little late last night. We got in, and it was about 11 o'clock, and I laid down. I thought, oh, it's going to be great. We'll get six, seven hours of sleep. That's good for me. And, and uh, all of a sudden, the fireworks began. And I think they went till about 1.30, and then um, uh, from there, the indigestion kicked in about 3.30. So this water's not to drink. It's just a splash on my face, okay? So... I told him first service, I've never fallen asleep during my own service, but I could today. So if you see me, you know, nodding, doing this thing, just, just shout amen or oh me, whichever one fits. So, uh, hey, listen, it is great to, to always uh, come and, and, and share the word of God. And, and I love our pastor, and, and I just consider it an honor when he asks me to, to stand and share the Word of God. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor David. I'm the college young adult and missions pastor here at Connect Church and uh, just love serving uh, here with you guys and, and loving the Lord together. Um, 245 years ago, on July 4th, the Declaration of Independence passed and we obtained our freedom from Great Britain and we became, America became an independent nation. We were one nation under God and founded on the principles of God. But, you know, as, as time has passed and we look at our world today, it seems as though most Americans have just completely uh, be- become independent of God. They've abandoned Him, so to speak. And uh, Pastor Anthony shared with us in a staff meeting uh, uh, this week a survey that he had read, and it said that only one in four Americans identify themselves now as practicing Christians. That is, they believe that their faith is very important and that they attend a a, a church service regularly. You know, and if that statistic is true, in the United States, that means there's about 83 million practicing Christians, but that's opposed to almost 250 million people that are not practicing Christianity or are lost without Christ. You know, when Christians are asked this question... What area of your Christian life do you struggle with the most? One of the top answers is this. It's having an abundant life or living out an abundant or full life that Jesus promises us here on this earth. They admit that most of the time they can't see past their circumstances. They're bound by their emotions, by their feelings, or there may be some sin in their life. And and because of all of that, they look to self to get out of the trouble instead of looking to God and His Word. Jesus said this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give life and give it to the full or give it more abundantly, depending on the translation you have. Jesus came to give us eternal life. Listen, a life better than we can ever imagine. And that life begins in the life of the believer when we first trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You know, there was a long time in my life, I just thought the Christian life was you get saved and you're free from the penalty of sin, but you just kind of have to hang on till you get to heaven. You'll finally be free from the, from the presence of sin. But listen, that's not true. That's a lie from, the, from, from Satan. You know, we can have a freedom in Christ today. Um, so as we, as we celebrate uh, our nation's uh, day of freedom, and many of us may go to the lake later or 
or eat some beans and barbecue later, or some of you may hear fireworks going off again over your house tonight. I hope not. Uh, But that could happen. But as we celebrate this, listen, I believe that what our nation needs, what our world needs, what they need to see from the church is the church living out who they are in Jesus Christ and living that out in a freedom so that they can have that abundant life. And we do that by not with, a, not with a declaration of independence, but we have to do that with total and complete dependence upon Jesus Christ and the teachings that he gives us in his word. So let's look together at how we can have this freedom in Christ. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, turn to John chapter 8. We're going to be looking primarily at two verses, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Chapter 8, verses 31, 32. Now, while you're turning there, I'm going to give a little context, a little background to where Jesus is in his life at this point. At the beginning of chapter 8, we see a woman caught in adultery being brought to Jesus by the Pharisees and the religious teachers of the law. Now, they weren't bringing this woman to Jesus for her benefit, and they really weren't bringing her to Jesus just for Jesus to condemn her, but they were really bringing her to Jesus to lay a trap, to set a trap for Jesus because they didn't like Jesus because he, you know, his views and his teachings kind of conflicted with their ideas of the law. Jesus didn't conflict with the law in any way. He came to fulfill the law, but he conflicted with their pious and legalistic views of what the law was. And, and buddy, they didn't like him for it. So they bring this woman to Jesus and, and they ask him, they said, you know, according to the laws of Moses, we are commanded to stone her for this act of adultery. What do you think, Jesus? And after Jesus uh, spent some time thinking, he bent down, wrote something in the, in the dirt, with, in the dust with his finger. He stood back up and he said this. He said, go ahead and stone her. But you who is without sin cast the first stone. You know, if you can just imagine being there with those men, they probably looked at one another. These men served together. They probably hung out together and and they knew one another. They knew each other's sins. So none of them were willing to pick up that first stone. And the Bible says that one by one, they left. And Jesus said this to to the woman. He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one has, sir. And he says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So you see, Jesus' teachings were just totally against the the teachings of the Pharisees. And that's where he was at. And much of this chapter uh, focuses on a dispute or debate over over who Jesus says he is and, and who they believe he is. And they were going back and forth. And then we come to verse 30. And it says, even as he spoke, even as Jesus spoke, it says, many believed him. Now, whether this is just kind of a superficial surface belief or maybe it was a belief like Nicodemus had found earlier in, 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 the cha- in John chapter 3 where he was truly seeking Jesus for who he was. Jesus knew that these guys, some of them had started to believe. So he said this to him. Read with me in verses 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pray together. Father, I come before you right now, God, and and Lord, I thank you for this truth. Lord, show us today the importance of following your teachings, God. Show us how the truth of your teachings, God, leads us to freedom in Christ, that we can be free from, from everything that's holding us back, from being the 
the people that you created us and that you saved us to be, God. Lord, I pray for that person here today that is without Christ, God, that, that doesn't even have a clue what freedom is because they're living their lives apart from Him. I pray, God, that you would convict them today of their sin, that sin that separates you from uh, from them, God. You are a holy God and you can't condone sin. And I pray, God, today that they would just ask you forgiveness of that sin and ask them to come into your life and save you today, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we just pray all this in your name. Amen. Today's message is just simple. There's freedom in Christ. Many of you are wearing shirts today that say freedom on them. When the world looks at us, listen, they should see freedom in our walk, and our relationship with Jesus Christ. The, Jesus says there, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. Listen, freedom can be found in following Jesus. Freedom can be found in following him. If you hold to my teachings, Jesus said, you are really my disciples. If you hold to my teachings, that is the evidence that you belong to me, that you follow me. You see, that freedom can be found in following Jesus. But understand something. This following is not defined by us. We can't determine how we want to follow Jesus and expect to, to know the truth and ex expect to live free lives in Christ. This, this freedom is not defined or this following is not defined by religion like the Pharisees would like you to believe. Listen, Jesus Christ and He alone defines our following. He defines it, not us. He sets the boundary. It's not about our feelings. It's not about our emotions. It's certainly not about any of our circumstances. Listen, we always come to Jesus on His terms. When we come to Jesus to, to, for our salvation, we had to come by faith, right? He gave us grace, but we had to receive that by faith. And when we follow Him, we follow Him the same way, by faith that He gives us. We follow Him by faith. You see, when Jesus started his earthly ministry here on earth, he turned the religious world upside down with his teachings. And that's why the Pharisees worked so hard to, to trap him and to, and to really just get rid of him. They didn't like him being around. But Jesus' teachings went against their beliefs and against their philosophies. Listen to some of the things that Jesus that Jesus taught. And we're, most of these things can be found in the book of Luke, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to read them. First one was this. Jesus taught to love your enemies, even a woman caught in adultery. We're to love our enemies. He taught that we're to pray for those who persecute us. He said this. He said, turn the other cheek. He taught God or money. It's your choice. You can't serve both. He told us, not to worry. Don't worry. He taught that. And, and as you see, these things don't agree with the religious leaders of the day. You know, they also don't agree with our flesh, our sinful nature, the person that we were before Jesus Christ. Because it's not in us, really, to love our enemies. That's not the first thing we think of, right? When we have an enemy, is to love them. For people that persecute us, is your first thought to pray for them? It's not always my first thought. Most of us in here... Like money. We like nice things, right? But then we, the Bible tells us not to worry. So the nice things that we buy, we end up worrying over those things, right? In our flesh, in our sinful nature, that's kind of who we're designed to be. Kind of like the Pharisees. Jesus goes on to say this in his teachings. Rejoice when you are persecuted. He says, consider yourself blessed when people hate you. 
How many of you consider yourself blessed when somebody just says, I hate you? Probably none of us. He says, consider yourself blessed when they exclude you. Consider yourself blessed when they insult you. These are all teachings from Jesus. Jesus went on to tell his disciples, listen, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross to follow me. You have to deny yourself and you have to die to yourself. Your selfish ways, your selfish ambitions, your your hopes and dreams, if they're yours, you have to die to those to allow me to live in you and for you to follow me. Now, if we were honest and I ask you in here to raise your hands if if you'd like to deny yourself, probably, you know, no hands would go up, right? None of us like to deny ourselves. We like ourselves, right? We all kind of enjoy us some me, right? We, we enjoy ourselves. We, we take care of ourselves. But Jesus says, he, t- he taught, we must deny ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not there. I don't like to deny myself all the time, but the Bible teaches that we should. So I just want to put this out here, and I just kind of wrote this down. How many of us on our best day, maybe even this morning, getting ready to come to church, how many of us sat down with the Lord this morning? We sat down with God, and we just said, God, you know, it's the 4th of July. There's going to be a lot of traffic today. So when someone almost hits me, I'm driving in my lane. They almost hit me, and then I look over at them. Then they're giving me the finger indicating that I am number one in their life. <laughs> I'm going to pray for them. How many of y'all said that this morning? Thought about that? None of us, right? Or when somebody cuts me off in traffic... I'm not only going to get, not get mad at them, I'm just going to let the next three people cut me off as well. Just go on, cut me off. I, I love it. I love to be cut off. Or that, that I'm going to leap with joy and be thankful when I hear that someone is talking bad about me when they really don't even know me at all. The Bible says rejoice when you're persecuted. That word really just means leap for joy. Be happy about it. Or what about this one? I'm going to consider myself blessed when people exclude me by not liking my Snapchat post. I'm just going to consider myself blessed. Or, or to take it one step further, when they insult me by posting that little red, angry, or pouty-faced emoji. Don't you love that when somebody... Don't you just consider yourself blessed when somebody posts that? Has anybody ever had that posted after one of their posts? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Anybody? Nobody? Y'all, oh, there's one. Thank you for being honest, bro. Thank you. But, but the Bible says we should rejoice, but you know, that stuff doesn't make us rejoice. It makes us feel bad. And by the way, you know, they have a, 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 a site called Emojipedia where you can go look up the names of all these emojis. It's crazy, but anyway. But listen, Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, die to ourselves to follow him. Now, if you look back, at, look back with me in verse 31 real quick, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings... You are really my disciples. Now, that word to hold really means to obediently order one's life after. So what Jesus is saying here, if you obediently order your life after my teachings, you are my disciples. You know, Jesus is saying, get up in the morning and plan your day around me. Order your life around my teachings. These things that I read about loving enemies and Considering yourself blessed when people persecute you, when they insult you because of me. Jesus says, 
just get ready for that because that's the way I want you living. Order your life after my teachings. And these are the teachings of Jesus. But here's the good part about that. Listen to this. If we order our lives and we hold to Jesus' teachings, listen, it frees us up to love God and to love people. It frees us up not to have bitterness in our heart, have anger, have pride in our heart, but it frees us up to get rid of all that stuff and to love God and to love people. You see, if we follow Jesus' teachings, it aligns us with God. Jesus' is teaching always, if we follow them, we will always be aligned with God. And when we are aligned with God, we have perfect fellowship with God. Now, when we had sin in our lives, when we have pride in our lives, when, we have, when we're worried about our circumstances all the time, those things hinder our fellowship with God. But when we follow or hold to Jesus' teachings, it perfectly aligns us with God and we could have fellowship with Him. The second thing it does is when we hold to Jesus' teachings, we are free to love others. Because when we're in complete fellowship with God... We'll come to love what he loves most, and that's people. So listen, when we, when we hold to Jesus' teachings, we all of a sudden become the worshiper that he created us to be, and we become the servant that he created us to be. And it frees us up. It frees us up. Freedom can be found in following Jesus. Then Jesus goes on to say, freedom can be found in knowing the truth. Look at the next verse. Then you will know the truth. Then you will know the truth, he says. Uh, what is truth? What is truth? According to the world standards in which we live, this is what the world says about truth. Truth is abstract. It has no definite shape or substance. Absolute truth does not exist in the world. Truth evolves. Truth, truth changes over a period of time. You'll hear, cha- you'll hear phrases like, my truth. You'll hear phrases like, the truth is what you make of it. You'll hear this. I heard this one time and it really confused me. Someone said, well, my truth and your truth doesn't always have to be the same. My truth and your truth doesn't always... Well, now, if that is true, doesn't that make one of the truths a lie? I mean, think about that. You can't have two different truths and them be polar opposite of one another. But that's what the world says. The world says, listen, it's up to a person to determine what is true for them. And as long as they are sincere about their truth, listen, God will accept it. That's what the world is teaching today. That's what the world is, 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 is uh, leading our children to believe. Our children are growing up in a society where there's absolutely no moral boundaries, no truth, And listen, it's up to the church, it's up to parents, it's up to grandparents to teach our children and kiddos the truth of God's Word. Culture has made up its own truth, and listen, it's totally independent of God. But but I'm so happy, I'm so, I can leap for joy over this. Jesus said something totally different. Jesus said this when he was praying for his disciples in John 17. He said this, sanctify them... By the truth, your word is truth. Sanctify them, set them apart, make them holy by the truth, your word is truth. Now notice Jesus didn't say, God, I want you to uh, sanctify them by a truth. See, that little word, the, makes all the difference. It's, it's a little thing called a definite article, and when you place it before a word, it makes that word specific. 
It identifies the subject that that thee is in front of as being the one and only. So look at that verse. Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the one and only truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father yet by me. Now listen, I don't know if you've ever looked at our, um, our website about our beliefs, but I just re- was refreshing my mind and I wanted to see again what we said we believed about the Bible, about the Scripture. And it's the first thing that comes up on our website Uh, And this is just what Connect Church believes about the Bible. Listen to this. The Holy Bible was written by men, divinely inspired, and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is the perfect work of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture in the original autographs is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore will remain to the end of the world, the true center of Christian union. The scriptures are the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation. That's what's printed in our, our, on our website. Listen, I just want to ask you today, do you know the truth? As a follower of Jesus, do you spend time in his word? Do you spend time studying the teachings of Jesus? Because listen, that's the truth. There's only one, and it's found right here. Are are you experiencing the truth in your everyday life? You know, back during COVID, we were trying to come up with creative ways to minister to our different groups. And for our college young adults, there was a period of time we just started posting each day where everybody could go. And we just had a devotion with a specific Bible verse. And, and I found this and it's called Who We Are in Christ. And it has over 150 verses out of the New Testament of who we are, our identity in Christ. And I just want, I'm not going to read all 150, but I want to just read some of these to you today because they're so good. What the Bible says about those of us who are born again followers of Jesus. It says this. It says we are God's possession. We are his children. We are chosen by him. We are his beloved. We are God's workmanship. It says we have been adopted into God's family. We've been purchased by Christ's blood. We've been cleansed by his blood and sanctified by his blood. We've been raised and seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We've been forgiven of all sins. We have been made, we are complete in him. We are one with the Lord. We are greatly loved. We are protected from the evil one. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are the Lord's servant. We are a royal priesthood. We are the people of God. Because of that, we have hope for eternal life. We have access to the throne. We have peace with God. We have a healer who restores us. We uh, We have the spirit who fills us, the spirit who guides us, the spirit who gifts us. We have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We have assurance of our salvation. We have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. We have everything we need for godliness. Therefore, we can find mercy and grace in our time of need. We can cast all of our anxieties on Him, and we can do all things through Christ. We cannot be separated from God's love, and we have not been given a spirit of fear. We have been given a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. Therefore, we do not worry about tomorrow. We do not grow weary in well-doing, and we do not continue in sin. 
Instead, we say no to godliness and to worldly passion. We declare his praises. We reflect his glory. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We stand firm in the faith, and we will share in his glory. Isn't that good stuff right there? That's, yeah, clap for God's word. Listen, that's who you are if you're sitting here and you have trusted Jesus as your Savior. Now, you may not be walking or living that out because you're bound by something. But listen, Jesus wants you to live out that very thing. And if you're here lost without him today, you have to ask forgiveness of your sins to get in on what God has in store for you. And he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll come into your life. And listen, he'll save you right here today. Listen, we are um, God's workmanship. And, and I want to just stress again, moms and dads, grandparents, pour the word of God, pour the truth into your kids right, while they're little. You know, Erin and, and her staff does a great job of teaching kids here at Connect Church. They love coming here to, to study the Bible and, and, and to learn about Jesus. But listen, you have more influence on them than we do. Spend time in the Word with them. God wants you to know and walk out His truths. And when you do this, listen, the Bible says the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. You say, what are you being set free from, David? Look at, flip over to verse 34, or it may be right there below. I have to flip for mine. But in verse 34 of John 8, Jesus replies, because the Pharisees has, says, how can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replies, very truly, I tell you, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So that's what Jesus is talking about us being set free from. It's, it's the power of sin in our life. And Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 6. So if you want to be turning there, we're going to read just a few verses there and kind of wrap this up. But Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about uh, that we're free from the power of sin while we live here on this earth so we can have an abundant life in Christ now. We're not just free from the penalty of sin, and one day when we get to heaven, we'll be free from the presence of sin, but in the now, we are free from the power of sin, and that's what Paul wants you to see right here. I'm going to start reading in verse 5 of chapter 6. Paul says this, for if we have been united with, with him, and that's Christ, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Now, the Bible says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Jesus Christ. Now, some of your translations may say, consider yourselves dead to sin or reckon yourselves dead to sin. And listen, that word reckon, it, it's, it's a faith word. You know, our flesh loves sin. In and of ourselves, our old sinful nature loves to sin. We love sin. And, and listen, sin will always fuel our flesh. But here the Bible says that we're dead to sin. So by faith, we have, to, we have to believe that and we have to, to claim that in our lives and live that out. 
but, but, but David, my sinful nature, my flesh, I just can't let go of this sin. Well, let me tell you how you can. Sin fuels flesh, but flesh will die out without sin feeding it. Your flesh will die out and it will no longer be the controlling factor in your life without sin feeding it. So how can we be set free from this sin? Listen to this in verse 12, what he says. He says in verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you don't obey its evil desires. Jesus is saying sin is no longer king of your life. And I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice how Paul uses the word sin. See, we think of sin as something we do or, or an action. It's, it's like a verb. It's an action that we do. It's something that we've always done and it's something that we do. That's why we're always coming to God uh, for, for, for our actions, asking Him to forgive us of our sins because we commit sins. We are a sinful people. We sin. But listen, Paul is using the word sin here as a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. He's using it as a noun. Listen to the verse here. It says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Paul is almost uh, using sin as a persona here. It's an entity. It's a being. And if you look at it from this perspective, Paul is saying that we're dead to sin, so how can we live in it? It's not the act of sin that we're always committing because if we look at it that way all the time, if, if we think that way, well, sin is something I do, that's what you're going to do. But if we look at it as, as a persona that's something that we're dead from, you can be free from the power of sin. When you look at sin this way, you see that you can be free from its power. It, it's no longer something you do, but it's an entity that you can be free from, right? Do not let sin reign over you. Now listen, it's a choice as a follower of Jesus you have to make. It's a choice you have to make. It's, it's a choice just like you're choosing God or Satan. You're choosing the Holy Spirit to guide you or you're being controlled by your flesh. You're choosing righteousness, the right way of living, or you're choosing unrighteousness according to your old sinful nature. It's a choice. And in verse 13, the Bible says what we yield to controls our life. Listen to what it says. Do not offer any part of, your sin, uh, of yourself to sin, again, as a noun, as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Whatever we yield to, if we yield to our flesh and yield to that sinful nature, that's going to control our lives. But if we yield to God, He frees us from that sin. He has the power to do that. But we have to make that choice. And we have that choice. We can make that choice. In verse 14, he goes on to say that sin shall no longer rule or reign or be master over you. Just like Jesus conquered sin and death because we are in Christ, the Bible says, so have we. You know, the Bible says we're under grace, not the law. Therefore, you know, I'm free from the power of sin in my life because of the grace of Jesus Christ. I no longer live just to obey a set of rules, but I live to please God, my creator, the person that loves me, the person that knows me best and wants the best for me. He knows the plans that he has for me, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper us and to give us a hope and a future, not to harm us. He knows that and we should live to please him. You know, I was thinking about this just last night as, as I was preparing for this message. 
Has anybody, and I hope nobody's ever told you, you've never heard these words, but has anyone ever told you or you've heard them, someone say this to someone else, you are dead to me. You are dead to me. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? I hope no one's ever said that to me. I wouldn't know what to do if somebody said that to me. I'd probably cry, you know, but you're dead. You know what? But if we look at sin as a, as a noun, as a persona, you know, that's something we need to consider because if someone says that you're dead to me, here's what they're talking about. That if you walk into the room, they're going to pretend you're not there. That if you have something to say to them, they're not going to hear it. If you, uh, they're going to say that you no longer have any influence over my life. You, know, you no longer affect my life at all. So here's what I think we should do as followers of Jesus. We need to declare, sin, you are dead to me. Sin, you're dead to me. I don't care what you say anymore. It doesn't matter. I don't care where you are. I'm not going to acknowledge your presence in my life. You're not going to influence me anymore. You're not going to affect me anymore. Sin, you are dead to me. And listen, we need to stand on that truth. Sin, we are dead to sin, but we are alive to Jesus Christ. Sin, you're dead to me. Listen, when the truth is fully known, when it's fully believed and it's applied to our lives, listen, freedom is always the result. The Bible says the truth will set you free. You know, when we realize that this truth sets us free, just like we mentioned before, it frees us up to become the worshiper, to become the servant, to become the masterpiece that God created us to be. We'll realize our purpose in Him, and we can have a full, abundant life on this earth. There was a young lady who came to our uh, college ministries just, oh gosh, just a few short weeks ago, and uh, God saved her. And she started kind of sharing a little bit of her testimony. She was talking to me and Pastor Zach. And, and I asked Kira, I said, Kira, will you share that? And we're going to record it. So I want you to take a minute and watch, look at the screen and look at Kira's testimony. I am Kira Barber. Um, so I have been coming to Connect Church for about a month now. Um, and I've lived in Sevier County my entire life. Um, so... I have been working down the road at the Smoky Mountain Espresso and Sweet Frog for on and off for about three years. Um, so I've heard about Connect Church for a while. I just haven't um, really, I didn't really um, get the, like, the interest or so much as the push, the drive to attend. Um, but I am here to uh, share my testimony. Um, so about a month ago, um, I have a friend in the hospital still. Um, he has passed um, 60 days on um, in the hospital for COVID-19. And um, I was struggling with anxiety and depression and just thinking that um, he wasn't gonna make it out. And then one day I just, one thing led to the other and I just finally had that push. I've, the whole week leading up to this, this Sunday, um, Sunday, April 6th, I was, saw so many people with Connect shirts on and so many people that con con attended Connect Church and they were like, come on up, come on up. It was the most people I've ever seen come into the shop that week. And I was like, okay, fine, I'm gonna come. 
So I came up here and that day the uh, sermon really spoke to me and I had this uh, feeling, these thoughts um, that my friend was going to get better. It was like in my soul, I felt it. And ever since then, um, he is now in therapy for um, just for, you know, getting back out in the world speech therapy and everything, and he is awake, and he is doing so much better, and that was the day that I got saved. I trusted Jesus, and the reason why I'm here, the reason why I'm talking uh, about this is um, I shared with Pastor Zach and Pastor David um, about how I've always been a songwriter, and I've always played music, and music is just my passion. I really, it's like in my soul. Part of me is music, I feel like. And I've always, up until I was saved, I've been struggling with anxiety my entire life and like just depression. Um, I just didn't feel good enough. And I would write songs about that and just really sad songs. People would just always tell me, you're such a good writer, but all your songs are so sad. Um, and I shared with them that I, after I got saved, it was like, a light bulb came on or like uh, the puzzle pieces finally connected it was like they were waiting until that moment and now I write all this music and it's so joyful and it feels like it's just so raw and it's coming from my soul instead of my fear um, instead of those those fears and those anxieties and it just feels good it feels real now and um, it started when I gave my life over to Jesus, and I, I let him take control. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kira, for sharing that. Kira's here with us this service. I looked for you first service, but, but uh, you probably got more sleep than I did last night. So, listen, I just want to share with you today Kira's testimony. It shows exactly what God wants to do in the life of an unbeliever. He wants to, to free them from some things, fear, anxiety, depression. He wants to free you from those things so he, he can free you to worship Him. And Kira, man, she, she, she realizes now that this gift she has all of a sudden the pieces of the puzzle have come together. This gift was never for me, but it's always been for him. And now that I've discovered him, whew, I'm ready to go. Listen, that could be your story today. That could be your story. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.